well, thank you very much for that lovely introduction. I see uh, that uh, my charts are on the screen, I hope. Uh, there's a classic joke that when uh, the uh, NASA scientist reaches the gates of heaven, St. Peter says, uh, well, what did you do in life? And he says, well, let me have my first view graph. <laughs> I'm sure it's a classic joke, but at any rate, um, <laughs> I would like to tell you about the history of the universe from the beginning until now, uh, all in a few minutes. And, uh, and to also uh, to give some sense of uh, how I got into science and, and it might uh, possibly have some relevance to your lives, I hope. So uh, this is where I started off my childhood. Uh, this is a scientific research facility <laughs> in, it is, in northern New Jersey. Uh, and this is uh, a research station belonging to the Rutgers University. It was an agricultural research station for the study of dairy cattle. And that barn that you see there is, was the home of about 20 large bulls. And they were the fathers of many cows of northern New Jersey, <laughs> uh, which they didn't understand. Uh, but at any rate, this was a genet genetics project. Uh, this was the uh, sort of uh, 1920s equivalent of NASA. It was supposed to produce a tremendous scientific breakthrough and help the farmers of New Jersey be competitive, uh, give more and better milk for less money. So um, this is where I spent my childhood. Uh, I got excited about looking at the sky because you can actually see it from this remote spot in New Jersey. Uh, and uh, the sky was bright at night. There were beautiful stars to look at. Um, also, my father was a scientist. So um, the uh, power of suggestion is there, uh, though my sister was not a scientist. So you know, it's not in, in a compulsion that you have to become one if your parent is one. Uh, but my dad has a very interesting story, and I thought it might interest you. Uh, he was a child in what is now Zimbabwe. And he came to the United States wanting to, uh, to learn about dairy cattle because the cattle in Zimbabwe were thin and didn't give much milk. And he thought, this is something which would make a difference to the world. So I grew up knowing that science could make an important difference. So he ended up on this farm in far northern New Jersey. Uh, when I was a child, my parents loved to read out loud to my sister and me, and they read to us from biographies of Charles Darwin and Galileo. And so I grew up thinking, well, this is a pretty exciting subject, and it's also pretty dang dangerous, because uh, <laughs> those guys were in, they got locked up, right? So, uh, but the quest for the truth and for the thing that really would change the world was somehow part of my childhood. Now, I had no idea what my dad did. You know, I was a little kid. Uh, but I have to say that gave me a huge start in life. Um, now here on the farm in northern New Jersey, there was not much else to do besides study. Now the other neighbors, they were farmers and they were good athletes. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so I can't claim to any kind of fame about that. But um, anyway, um, th what there was to do was to read the books that came in the bookmobile every two weeks and I studied all the books I could get about science. So I did go to a country public high school which was regular high school, pretty good, safe place to study, uh, but you know, this was just my opportunity to, to give my heart to something I cared passionately about, uh, which was science. And I didn't know where it was going to go, but there, that's where it started. So uh, anyway, I wanted to um, then to tell you a little bit about the project that I did for NASA uh, and uh, where it falls in the history of the universe. Astronomers can tell us about some fairly large piece of this chart, which is how, did astronomer, how do astronomers think we got here? So we have made a map of the Big Bang. Uh, we have a story that mathematicians can draw for us with computers about how galaxies may have formed, the stars may have formed. 
how this, our sun may have formed, how planets around the sun may have formed, and even how the chemicals that we need for life could have arrived on the surface of the Earth, because probably they weren't there when the Earth was young. Anyway, then the last step, we say, well, biologists, how did, the, how did we get here? Uh, we give you the chemicals, now you tell us what happened. So uh, this is a, a context in which an awful lot of astronomy is being done, and we think we can actually find out an awful lot about this. So uh, I have worked on the Big Bang Theory, uh, and uh, this is my picture of it. It's not possible to draw you a picture. Uh, the, the story is that the universe started off with, an, with everything that you can see today, all the way out to 13.7 billion light years away, was compressed into a volume as big as a golf ball. And uh, this is a pretty shocking idea. And indeed, uh, Einstein did not think of this one. Uh, he was again it. Uh, but a, by the way, uh, the idea was developed by a, Georgian, a, a Belgian priest. And this sort of reminds us that uh, religion is not necessarily against science. Uh, the, uh, the idea of the Big Bang was developed by a Belgian priest uh, using Einstein's equations. He says, guess what, there was this giant explosion a long time ago, and he called it the primeval atom. So anyway, I can't draw you a picture. We are inside this, and that, to really explain it would take quite a while. Uh, but uh, now I'll tell you what I actually did. This is my thesis project on steroids. Uh, <laughs> my thesis project was at University of California at Berkeley. And, um, and it didn't work. Uh, it didn't work because we didn't test the project enough. It was an instrument which went up on a very long rope hanging from a very big balloon at very high altitudes. And, um, and the story was uh, we didn't test it because we were really, really tired of testing. And we thought, well, why don't we just push the button and see if it works? And of course it didn't work. You know perfectly well it isn't going to work, but we were tired of testing. so. Um, I got my thesis finished and I left the subject. I thought, I'm going to go become a radio astronomer. Uh, too much work for this one number that I didn't even get. And uh, so then I was uh, a postdoctoral post student in New York at the Goddard Institute for Space Studies. And presto, NASA put out an announcement of opportunity uh, that said, please, entire country, send in ideas about new satellites that we should fly. And so I said to my advisor, well, you know, my thesis project didn't work right, but it would have been better in space. And so he said, well, call up these guys uh, and make a team and write a proposal. So I'm 28 years old, and I'm too young to know the difference, so why not? It's not impossible. If you're 28 years old, anything is possible. So, um, so amazingly enough, uh, this proposal eventually grew and uh, attracted support, and it was a good idea. So in 1989, it finally was launched uh, and it discovered what we hoped it would discover. Uh, but I have to tell you a couple of disappointments and uh, shocking things that happened along the way because it, it tells you it doesn't always good to get what you want the first time. Um, the first thing was that we were building this along and, it, and the uh, space shuttle Challenger blew up. And so uh, this satellite was supposed to go up on a space shuttle. So, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? This is impossible. Our project that we've been working on all these years is dead. So. Um, we were very fortunate. Um, in the end, our engineering team found a way to get a, a reusable, uh, an expendable rocket. Uh, they'd been canceled. Uh, but we found all the spare parts and put one together. And we had to also lose half the weight of the, pro of the satellite in order to get it to look like that and be able to go up on the, on the rocket. So that's one thing that was a terrible thing that happened, uh, but which we overcome because uh, people really, 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 really wanted to make it work. The other thing that happened along the way was we were delayed and delayed and delayed because there wasn't enough money. 
And so um, we said, well, okay, we're so delayed that our technology is already obsolete. Can we please upgrade the technology a little bit? And, uh, and it happened that we were able to gain just a factor of two of, of sensitivity, and we needed that. Because uh, we wouldn't have discovered what we discovered without it. Uh, so it's not always good to get what you want the first time. Anyway, that led to this. The uh, chart on the left is me showing what's called the, the black body radiation spectrum. Uh, the, that's, uh, it's the uh, theoretical prediction for how the universe should look when you measure the brightness at each different wavelength. And so our measurement, uh, after the course of a few minutes of good data, said it's perfect, basically. So this is the thing that I failed to do correctly for my thesis project, and it finally grew up and worked. And so uh, a few years later, there I am with the King of Sweden. It's a pretty amazing story. And um, so there's a lot to learn from this. Uh, one, I, well, I guess I've tried to tell you that, you know, um, when setbacks happen, which they will, just keep on going, because what else are you going to do? Um, it's, you don't actually feel like you have a lot of choice. You're sitting on the back of the tiger. The tiger is jumping up and down, but you're holding on for dear life. And if you get off, you're going to get eaten. So uh, stay with it, no matter what awful thing happens, and the amazing things may happen. So. Um, here is actually a map of the uh, discovery that we made, which we would not have discovered if we had done what we said the first time. Uh, these are the hot and cold spots in the Big Bang itself. And this is a map of where, uh, this is a map of the whole sky. And the pink and blue blobs are dense regions and less dense regions in the early universe. And without those, uh, we now think that we wouldn't be here. And that, and in fact, those are caused by something called dark matter, which we didn't even know existed uh, a few decades ago. Um, and uh, without that dark matter, we wouldn't be here either. So we are now telling you a little bit of the story of how we got here uh, from science. And uh, now I want to show you the next thing that I've been doing. Uh, after I did that project with NASA, I thought, well, we're never going to do anything that exciting again. I better leave NASA, uh, go hunt for another job. And then I got a phone call one morning that said, we need to build the telescope that follows the Hubble Space Telescope into space because Hubble will be old sometime and we need to plan ahead. So I guess they thought I would take this on. I hadn't been thinking about it, uh, but I said immediately, uh, almost, yes, I'll do that. I know it's impossible, we could never do this telescope, but let's try. And so uh, the whole lot of the astronomy community said, yeah, we don't think you could do that telescope either. Uh, and that lasted for many years. Uh, but fortunately, uh, the telescope idea was sufficiently powerful that, uh, that it kept on going. Everybody knew we needed a new telescope, and uh, they were willing to let us try to develop all the special inventions that it would take to do this mission. So this telescope now is supposed to go up in 2013, which is only six years away. It is way bigger and way more powerful than the Hubble Space Telescope, and it will see much farther back towards the beginning of time. It will help us see how the first stars were formed, how galaxies grew, how uh, planets are formed around stars because it'll use infrared light, which we'll see even through dust clouds uh, into the places where stars are made. So um, this is a, a little bit of what I'm working on. And uh, that's the end of my sort of basic talk. I'm welcoming questions now. So please have questions. Thank you very much. G'day. Um. <laughs> I was just wondering, you, obviously you must be a fairly controversial figure for many that are concerned about creationism versus science. Uh, do you try to just stay completely away from that argument? 
or are you heavily involved in it? I, I pretty much stay away from that argument. Although I do like to remind people that uh, astronomy has been an honored subject in religious circles for many years, that uh, Galileo was a friend of the Pope's, uh, that uh, many early cosmologists were, were uh, religious figures as well, uh, that the Vatican, for instance, still maintains a, an observatory of their own, and they have cosmology conferences. So at least some religions are very positive towards scientific discovery, and, uh, and I like to say that. Uh, but I don't actually have a clear answer to creationism. It's, it's a strange thing to me. Um, you said that the project that you're currently working on is sort of taking the next step after the Hubble Space Telescope. Um, could you explain a bit more what that involves? Anyway, like, why is it the next step? Yeah, exactly. I okay. mean, yeah. Well, the Hubble Space Telescope has seen uh, galaxies very far away. And they've shown us that uh, they're different from now, but we still haven't seen the first ones. And so there's this great mystery of what happened between the Big Bang and the formation of those galaxies. Uh, we see galaxies at the right of the limit of what Hubble can see that they already look old. So what, what were they doing? So there's this huge gap in our own history that we'd like to penetrate. Uh, and there's also the whole subject of how stars are made. And we've been working on this subject for 50 years since it was first first figured out that they didn't all happen at once, and that they weren't all given to us from the Big Bang itself. And they happen in dark places, surrounded by dust clouds. And the infrared light that will be sensed by the new telescope can shine through the dust clouds, and inside we'll see things happening. That's the hope. And so I think we're pretty confident it'll be exciting. Uh, there's even now uh, a new technique has been developed that we have the ability to see planets around other stars indirectly, and even sometimes directly. This telescope has at least one target we think we should see, which is a planet around another star. The other technique is when a planet goes between us and a star, uh, some of the light is blocked from the star, some of it actually goes through the atmosphere of the planet. <coughs> and we can tell the difference. So we'll be able to learn about the chemistry of, of planets around other stars in the next decade or so, I think. So there's a hope. It's, a, not, a, it's not particularly likely, but there's a hope if we get lucky we'll see an Earth-like or life-supporting planet around another star, and we'll be able to see the, the signs of oxygen and water and carbon dioxide in an atmosphere that would say, uh, possibly life. Because we don't think oxygen would exist there without life to make it. So that's one of the things that we hope to do that we've never been able to do. My name is Rania, and I just had a, a bit of a more personal question for you. If you had an opportunity to go into outer space, where would you go, and why would you go there? Oh, gosh. That's a, <laughs> it's a big if, of course. I'm not, I'm not uh, feeling uh, like uh, as physically fit as John Glenn is, but uh, <laughs> and it's a very strenuous trip into space. But if I could go, I would surely like to go to Mars, uh, which is uh, geologically interesting, uh, may have had life, uh, certainly was wet at one time, uh, was probably covered with oceans. So uh, astronomers and scientists are very, very curious to see if, if uh, Mars was wet for long enough for life to occur there. And so uh, it's one of the great, great hopes for science. And uh, if, maybe not to go in person, but you know, we already have at least a few rocks that have come by natural processes to Earth. Um, and they fall on the ice in Antarctica and we go pick them up as they're meteorites. And uh, the other thing we really want to do is to bring back rocks on purpose from Mars that have been selected because they look like good candidates to have something interesting, like life signs in them. So um, I think I'm not going to get to go in person. 
but I sure would like the robot to go and then somebody to go sometime and bring back the good information. Thank you very much. I'm Damien Guihan. I'm a physical oceanography student uh, at Galway, Ireland. Um, I, I, I have a hard time visualizing this golf ball sized um, universe, but I, I was wondering are, are we any closer to understanding? I mean, it, it was an explosion, so in normal explosions they take up space. And are we any closer to understanding? I mean, what did the Big Bang bang into? Ah, well, <laughs> this is the question that almost everyone has because it seems so unreasonable. But I'm going to tell you something unreasonable. We are inside the thing, uh, and so we can't see the edge. So observationally, we look here, we stand in the middle, we look out in every direction. There's no sign of an edge. There's no sign of a center, no special spot in any direction. So from our perspective, it looks as though we are a piece of an infinitely large universe. And so although I say the universe that we can now see, which is 13.7 so billion light years in every direction, uh, was only this big, we imagine, uh, mathematically, uh, that the whole thing was actually infinite. And if you take this seriously and really take properly uh, into, a what, into mind what mathematicians mean by infinite, there's another me and there's another you over there somewhere on another planet having this conversation. Uh, because infinity is one of those strange things which the Greeks discovered and were shocked about. So this is another one of those shocking ideas. Now, truthfully, we don't know that the universe is infinite. We only know that it's very large. But uh, we also uh, have no particularly clear picture of those other dimensions that it would take to describe uh, expansion into something. What we see is everything is expanding, or even that we describe it as space itself is expanding, which is also a strange concept.